Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to a special delicious podcast dedicated to the Manchester food scene, sponsored by Woodall Charcuterie, a Manchester legend that has watched over the city for nearly 200 years. I'm Julie Smith and I'm joined by Stephen Lamb, deputy to Hugh Fernley Whittingstall at River Cottage, who's here to reconnect with his inner mank and guide us through the streets to his home city. Stephen, how come we're sitting in the River Cottage recording a script about Manchester? Well, I'm based here in the southwest. This is my River Cottage home. But my heart and where I was born is Manchester in the northwest. Let's get back there. We'll meet some of the proper northern characters who make up its ecosystem. The chef, the grocer and the butcher, who are some of the most notable names in the best of the city's food, as well as the values they share. And those family values and sense of northern no-nonsense is what I found when I met Colin Woodall, CEO at Woodall's, whose family has been making charcuterie from Cumbrian pig for a very long time. It began 190 years ago, actually, in 1828, uh, on the west coast of Cumbria, in a tiny little village called Wobbethwaite, which is in the back of beyond miles from anywhere. Um, And our business started very simply uh, because my great-great-great-great-great-grandfather died one Sunday morning and left a widow with five children. And she had no, no means of supporting her family, so what she did was that back then, Every household in our part of the world had a pig and um, in about October or November each year that pig would be slaughtered, processed and um, you know they would, they would make as much use of the carcass as they could, uh, make as many products as they could and that, you know, the, the, the result of that was going to help to keep them fed over the winter months and, and so she began to help her neighbours to do that and therefore the you know the recipes that she learned, the techniques and the skills and, and everything that she learned became the foundations that the company was built on uh, and, and you know has, has gone on from ever since. I, I grew up here and it was not like as it is now when I was growing up. I mean this whole kind of food scene in Manchester has it recently it's gone stellar. Yeah, it's got really vibrant, hasn't it? Um, you, know, you know, I mean, we've, we we supply a number of places in Manchester now um, that uh, you know have only become to exist in, in relatively recently. I mean, places like the Refuge, the Lowry, Elmcott, places like that. You know, real places at the cutting edge of food. You know, Manchester has sort of caught up in the food scene and yet it still has time and reflects on the kind of indigenous products from and around the area. We're not 
looking to go to Barfield. There's a sense of pride in the food scene now that I've found was missing when I was growing up. I think the North West has always produced good food. We've just never been very good at shouting about it. What we do is we make British charcuterie. What we don't simply do is make charcuterie in Britain. And by that I mean that you know, the products that we make have their origins and their roots in products which my family were making the best part of 200 years ago. So for example, um, you know, the recipe for our Royal ham you know, was written down in 1843 um, by you know, a Mrs. French. The recipe for our Cumberland salami is based on our original Cumberland sausage recipe. So, you know, I, I just think it's great that these products can still be relevant, albeit with a twist. Um, and, and you know some adaptation can still be relevant now. You know, I and mean, we've, we've always done good stuff. I mean, from my perspective, Steve, you know, I think what's really interesting is the fact that you know the products we make now uh, are in as relevant, and maybe in some ways even more relevant than they were a hundred years ago. Yeah, and and things that are of a certain quality, a high quality. Uh, remain the same and I find that very reassuring. In a way I've kind of been able to uh, get a sense of pride. I've always loved coming from Manchester but all of a sudden I'm from Manchester and I work in food and it gives me this kind of great feeling that brilliant things are going to happen but the stuff has always been there. The marketplace, whatever you make, it's very honest isn't it and simple. If you make something and it's good and you price it accordingly, then the chances are people will buy it more than once. If you, it's relatively easy to persuade someone to, to try a product to buy it once. The tricky bit is to get them to buy it again and again and again. Um, and if they don't do that, then either it isn't good enough, or it's too expensive, or very occasionally both. Now, Adam Reed is arguably the best chef in Manchester, and his restaurant at the Midland Hotel is the nearest the city has ever got to a Michelin star. I settled down to a nine-course tasting menu, which Adam told me was a culinary trip through his northern childhood. Um, well, I cook modern British food uh, that's based around the north of England, uh, but with a little bit of a refined edge on it and some influences that come from you know, my, my culinary interests. Yeah, so we've got some trotter, yep. and we've got your tater ash. Tell me about the tater ash. Well, I mean, it's a, it's a classic dish that everybody knows about. A lot of people grew up on eating, so uh, in Lancashire, you called it corned beef ash. Um, I grew up on it being made with minced beef. I never really liked corned beef ash. I always liked tater ash, as we call it. Um, I don't like to just reinvent dishes. I like to imagine why dishes came to be. Because I grew up eating it, I wanted to kind of let people interact with that and let people understand where my mind's coming from. But you also wanted to transform it into modern British. Yeah, so I, I kind of put a bit more of a refined edge on it. You know, we use really uh, good quality beef, um, short horn from up in Cumbria. We take the ribeye, well aged, and we just dice it up very simply. And we, we, we dress it in an oil that's been flavoured with burnt charcoal. So it kind of gives you that roasted over the fire flavour or yeah. stewed over the open coals. Um, and we serve it with some comfy potato, which have been cooked in dripping, uh, some comfy vegetables, literally just cooked in the, under their own uh, steam, and Mrs. Raffles' mushroom katsu. So who is Mrs. Raffles? She lived around this area about the 1800s, and she wrote um, a cookbook, kind of like your Mrs. Beaton. Oh, yeah. uh, your Mrs. Beaton of the Northwest. 
and she wrote it kind of for you know your, your Victorian house like not saying housewife but like lady of the household yeah, yeah. who ran the, the establishment that kind of stuff in the old days they used to have staff and then there was that transition wasn't there yes exactly and so there was a lot when of the middle class writing. came in. There's a lot of cookery writing to let women know how to do it. Exactly. Um, and she was writing up here, and I've got a book in the back there. And we, you know, it's a recipe I did years ago for, for the old kind of um, take on the French that I was working under. It stayed with me. It was something I really enjoyed creating, and it touched um, kind of who I am with that, like using Mrs. Rafford and the history and. And then putting it into a dish that's true to my heart and my cooking was, I thought it was quite nice actually. And on the menu it sounds quite cool as well. And do you find that your clientele here, I mean it's, it's a Tuesday night and it's absolutely packed. Do you find that your clientele are happy to eat tater ash and, <laughs> and, 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 and join in on your kind of cultural memory? Yeah, well, I think the beauty of it is that most people don't actually know what tater ash is. <laughs> so it's until you put it down, they eat it, and then they ask you afterwards, well, what the hell was that? You know, that's when you can explain it, and you know, you, you then get that sense of well, what, it, what it's all about. Lee Frost is the butcher who buys Adam his meat and told Jilly how it's the family values that drive the quality in the top restaurants. Well, we've been established in Manchester since 1890. And we've been supplying restaurants in Manchester, as well as having a retail shop, we've been supplying restaurants in Manchester since the 1930s, 40s. My, you know, my, my, granddad, my grandfather was supplying the Midland Hotel in, in, from the 1940s to late 2000, uh, well, late 2000s. So uh, we've always had a, uh, a presence on the Manchester food scene. And it still is important here, isn't it? It's a bit like London, you know, a bit like Borough Market, the Family businesses exactly. really important. Exactly. Isn't it? Well, my great grandfather used to go to market on a horse and cart, and my father now, who's still working six days a week, he's seventy-three, and uh, he still goes to market every single day. We got rid of the horse and cart. <laughs> We're still working six days a week, and you have to be passionate about this job because yeah. you know you're up at three o'clock every morning. The phone never stops, and uh, you're constantly supplying people. You don't let people down. That's how you build your name up and your reputation. Uh, and you give a good service and good, consistent quality, and yeah. you'll always be busy. Lucy Noon is the greengrocer to the top restaurants. Jilly asked her if she was known as the Queen of Greens. The princess, <laughs> I'm afraid. My mother is the Queen of Veggie. <laughs> I cannot take that title. So oh, your yeah. family is a, a family business. Um, going back, how many generations? I'm the third generation to be in the business. Um, my grandma started our business on Haywood Market in, I think it was 1968. It was a long time ago. But you know, she was she was a woman. She was she was doing it on her own. She used to go to market in a mini clubman, and you know, she was she was like a classic kind of northern matriarchal, wonderful kind of salesperson. And um, she's passed that on to my dad. And my mum came in to the business when they got married. And then we've certainly got that kind of spirit as well. So we try and buy as locally as we can. Um, but in the instance if that isn't the very best we can get hold of, we'll buy it from maybe a little further afield. We go out of our way to buy as little on air freight kind of long distance shipping as we can and um, we try our best to think about our footprint um, which is difficult when you've got 40 vans on the road but it pushes us to make good decisions about the produce that we buy um, this morning I got broccoli from North Lincolnshire which is not that far away but then we've got 
things coming in from kale from Lancashire and we've got carrots from Southport and we've got herbs from Thirst which come every day. So Manchester's got a fantastic drink scene, it's got a fantastic food scene but still no Michelin star. Maybe we've just got more kind of like slightly more middle of the range cheaper I suppose restaurants where you can eat out every night. I mean I live in the city centre and I'd rather four meals out a week than one Michelin star dinner a month I know that's but that's just me and I think quite a lot of people live like that these days you know I don't want to go back to my flat I want to sit outside someone's lovely restaurant and be fed Aperol for a few hours that's, that's a nice way to live and I think that's more and more what people are doing. Christine Court is the chief executive of the Manchester International Festival of Arts and after working all over the world is proud to bring investors and arts directors to experience the food in her hometown. Julie met her at the refuge to ask how much of a change she's seen over the last 12 years since she came back home. When we first started the festival, I really struggled. So I'd have people come in from all over the world and I'd think, oh my God, it's a wet Monday lunchtime. Where the heck will I take them? Because I wanted them to have a really good impression of the city. I wanted it to be buzzy. But now, I mean, I'm spoiled for choice. I'd come here. I'd go to... um, one of the chop houses. When I'm trying, you know, Carl Hyde, one of our artists, frontman in Underworld, his parents, who were like in their 60s, no, actually they're in their 70s and 80s, he said to me, Christine, where am I going to take them? My dad will, oh, my mum and dad will only eat proper English food. I said, take them to Roger's chop houses, you know, really good suet puddings, fish and chips, corned beef hash. But it's, they've been doing it for a long time, but they do it really well. The other thing that I've massively noticed, Julie, is the standard of service. It was impossible in the early days to get good, competent service. Now we've got a really good tier of waiters and waitresses and behind-the-scenes people who really manage our hospitality business in such a better way than we used to. Mm. What will food be like in Manchester in in 10 years' time? I hope that the independence will thrive. I hope it's not one of those cities that's, you know, every single chain is on every single corner and it's homogenised. I think we've got enough pockets with Ancoats, spinning fields as well, you know, wonderful northern food operators like Thomas, who runs Fazenda. They're in Leeds, Liverpool and Manchester. Really, really delicious Argentinian food. Um, I think that's my dream, that the the rise of the independent in 10 years' time... And, you know, everyone talks about us not having a star, a Michelin star. And, yes, it is extraordinary. But I think we shouldn't get hung up on that because we have some fantastic places and we must patronise them. You know, Umazushi, uh, round the back of um, the arena, is a wonderful, unassuming little sushi place, you know, where you can eat really brilliant tuna and sashimi for for a fraction of what you would pay in other places. Tattoo, high-end, a bit like Hakkasan in spinning fields. Really glamorous. We do glamour and dressed up very well in Manchester. That's always been the case in Manchester, hasn't it? I think so. People, you know, in a way that they wouldn't in London, probably, because everyone lives so far away. On a Thursday, Friday and Saturday night, folk go home often after work get their glad rags on and come back in town, into town, you know, and really go for it. Matt White's podcast, Fodder, tells the other side of the Manchester food story and with food journalist Louise Ryan-Tutt told Jilly where the new food is happening. I think Manchester's always been very much into its food, but over the last five years there has been an explosion. 
Um, I think there's many different things that. Let's talk about so street food, for example. Street food at the moment now is absolutely massive in Manchester. We've got something called the Grub Food Fair, which happens every weekend, where all the food and drink people come down and ply their trade, and it's getting more and more popular. And I think that is a starting point for a lot of people that can see how Manchester's expanded and how more and more places are open. There was a point, I remember, a couple of years ago, when people thought, right, OK, this is reaching saturation point. There's too many places opening now. There's no way Manchester is going to be like, have enough people to eat in them. There's no way it can contain that level. Manchester's always had that DIY ethic, that, that do-it-yourself, whether it be art, music, photography, food and drink. I think there's something within this city that breeds creativity, and it makes people want to do something because they see other people doing it, and it's an easy city to get things done, I always find. Whether it be in food and drink or whatever anyone's doing, there's just there's a help network out there and there's a lot of encouragement and a lot of enthusiasm and I think that breeds enthusiasm in others and it makes you want to succeed and you see someone else doing something in a little restaurant out in Didsbury maybe and you think oh hang on I could do that and then people just go and do it and they get things started I was just going to say it's not just the city centre either it's um, the suburbs that we've seen really explode in Manchester um, and to the extent that people are now travelling to they're not just neighbourhood restaurants anymore. People are actually travelling across Manchester to go to the suburbs to eat out. So whether that's because there's more innovation there because of the rents and rates are lower, um, but there are some really interesting restaurants opening all around. Tom Hetherington is the man behind Manchester's Northern Restaurant and Bar Awards and was even voted Cultural Hero in the City Life Awards. I asked him if Manchester can source its produce from its own hills and dales rather than Europe, how its food scene might fare after Brexit. I think it's very important that when you go and eat, uh, if you're doing a city break, you get a sense of the place where you are. If you travel to Valencia, you don't want to eat the cuisine of Madrid or Barcelona. You want to eat paella, you want to eat rice-based dishes because that's what you expect when you go to Valencia. And we are uniquely well positioned. We've got the mountains of Cumbria, we've got the coast right there, we've got the flatlands of Cheshire. There's an immense amount of incredibly high-quality produce. And it was always a joke amongst the northwest that in borough markets early days, pretty much half of it was northwest producers who all used to drive down the M6 every weekend and sell their produce to Londoners. And then they'd come all the way back up. Farmer Sharp and all these other people, they, they were the pioneers of it. And it's because the, the northwest is such a hotbed of great food products. But why now in Manchester? And I, I think there's two things, really. There's the broader undercurrent which you alluded to that food is just on trend at the minute that there's a new generation which are more about experiences and less about owning things and eating out is part of that I think it's to do with international travel and exposure to different trends and cuisines from around the world but that's happening all over the country why Manchester's restaurant scene has gone through the roof really starts and ends with the audience it's with the population Manchester's always had a really strong restaurant scene historically we've always had more good food listed restaurants good food guide listed restaurants than anywhere else outside London but it's gone up through the notches and to give you an example of why that is there used to be about 500 people living in the city centre of Manchester by most conservative estimations there's now about 50,000 those people who move to the city centre tend to be people who disproportionately don't have kids, have the money to eat out and enjoy eating out. If they're going to eat out three times a week on average, which is statistically pretty much where, where the average is, that, then you've got another 150,000 dining instances every week. That supports a lot of new restaurants. So you add that in with the business, with the boom of city tourism, which Manchester's benefiting from, and it's about bums on seats. There's more people to eat more food and better food. 
And for more on Manchester, you can hear former DJ and now chef at The Refuge, Luke Cowdery, on why he thinks it's the city's love of music, art and travel that has brought its particular edge to the food scene. Just search for The Delicious Podcast on your podcast app or on iTunes, Acast or Delicious Magazine and click on Luke Cowdery. Thanks to Woodalls for sponsoring this episode of The Delicious Podcast on the Manchester food scene and to Stephen Lern for co-presenting with me. I'll be back next week with more from the world of Delicious Magazine. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theatres May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and t shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. 
Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 